Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. I think I have an appointment after the service. Uh, Lori, can you reschedule me that appointment? Is Lori in here? Okay, Lori, would you reschedule that one for me so I can get home? And... All right. Uh, let's turn our Bibles to Romans, the eighth chapter. And uh, we're going to look at verse 14 down through 18, I believe it is. And uh, we're going to talk tonight again along the lines of being led by the Spirit. There is a way that seems right unto man, but the end thereof is death. But there is the way of God that leads to life. And as Christians, we sometimes are always in a hurry. And I would say this, that anytime you're under the pressure to make a decision, you're probably going to make the wrong one. And uh, so it's time to just throw the brakes on things and let it just chill out and uh, find out what's important and find out the whole story. In Romans the 8th chapter and verse 14, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And in that uh, statement, we could really say this, as many as are led by the Spirit of God walk into the fullness of sonship with God. And then it says, and for we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Now, last week we laid out a very firm foundation that the first and utmost place that we go to find the leading of God, the absolute, unquestionable direction of God for our life is the Scripture. Don't try to short-circuit. Don't try to find somebody, give you a word, you know, uh, or, you know, prophesy to me, tell me what God's saying, da, da, da. I don't know what he's saying to you. Uh, so, you know, you belong to him, not to me. And uh, don't try to use the gifts of the Spirit so cheaply because you're just uh, too busy, too lazy, so uninterested that it doesn't mean a hill of beans to you. If you aren't willing to dig it out, you aren't willing to have fruit from it. Amen. And uh, so tonight we're going to talk about how to be led of the Spirit of God. And we're going to talk about uh, an inward witness. Uh, many people would call it an intuition. And uh, it's really... It is an intuition, but it is an inward witness. It is just a comprehension of knowing that you know. This comes, doesn't come from the mind. It has nothing to do with reason. It doesn't have anything to do with having facts and all that kind of stuff, which all those things are great. But when we talk about being led of the Spirit, this is from God. It's not a mental uh, evaluation or mental uh, rationale dividing this or that and looking at what would be the best steps to take. No, that's kind of like chance. You never know what's going to happen, but God does. Amen? And God can keep us out of many places that we should not end up if we will simply allow God to have his way. Now, if the Bible says to us, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
Now that tells you and I that there is available to every believer a leading of the Holy Ghost. The steps that are outlaid by the Spirit of God. He that knows it all. The omniscient one. The one that knows the beginning from the end. The end from the beginning. He that has weighed out the mountains. He that has carved out the oceans. He that has dug out the valleys. It is he that knows every way of man and every way of creation. So when the Bible says, as many as are led by the Spirit of God... If I wanted to, if I chose to believe that, then what I would do is I would not rush or hurry to make my own decision. I would stop and I would say, now God, you said that I could be led of the Spirit. And what I would do then concerning my need, the thing that I was facing, I would go to the Scripture and I would find everything out about that subject that I could. Now I'm searching, and if I seek, I will find. If I knock, it's going to be opened unto me. So God may speak to me through one of those Scriptures. But if He doesn't, I'm not going to rush out and try to do something that may bring me to an ungodly end. What I'm going to do is I'm going to say, God, you said that you would lead me. Now, God, you said that I would know your voice. I would know your leading. I'll know when you speak. I'm not going to follow a stranger. And God, I'm just not going to walk someplace where I don't know that you want me to walk or that it's safe for me and my faith to walk. So, God, I'm going to wait. But, but we've got to have an answer. We, we, you know, other people want, well, give it to the other people. I don't care. I'm not going to be sucked in by the pressures and the threat of losing something or missing out on something. If I miss out on it, then evidently I needed to miss out on it. And if things are better or answers are better, or where you're going or what you want is better than being led of God, then have at it. But I don't think that it is. Could I get an amen? Absolutely. So let's go to 1 Corinthians uh, 3, 6, and can I have someone read that for me? First Corinthians three sixteen. First Corinthians three sixteen. Know ye not that you are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? Can you guys hear that? Can you? Okay. All right. Okay. Here it says that the Spirit of God dwells in us. Now we're going to be led of that Spirit. One of the places that we have to understand that it's going to come from is in us. Could have get an amen. amen. Is in us. So you and I have to investigate and invest time in learning how these leadings are released in us. And so we're going to talk about this inward voice, this inward witness, this inward knowing. 
And then if you can go uh, to uh, 1 Corinthians 3, 18 to 19, John. Let no man deceive himself. If any man among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool that he may be wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness unto God, for it is written, he taketh the wise in their own craftiness. Now notice that what we think is wisdom is foolishness. And so if we just run out and take men's counsels and all that kind of stuff, then we understand that we are really operating in a form of foolishness. Now, when it says foolishness, what does it mean? Well, really, the Bible says that the fool has said in his heart there is no God. So let's think of it like this. That a Christian that knows that God will lead him by the Spirit and then overrides that, simply declares to the situation that there is no God except me. That's foolishness. To take your way over God to think that you're superior. Now, I could understand if we had gods of wood, hay, and stubble, and gold, and silver, and they were subject to us. But God is not subject to us. We are subject to him. Amen. Amen. So we want to make sure that we don't become foolish. Even though we're Christians, we don't become foolish. All right. Now, let's go to Acts 19, 17 through 20. And this was known to all the Jews and the Greeks also dwelling at Ephesus. And fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord was magnified. And many that believed came and confessed and showed their deeds. And many of them also, which used curious arts, brought their books together and burned them before all men. And they counted the price of them and found it 50,000 pieces of silver. So mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. Now notice that when the church hears about the seven sons of Sceva, that some way, shape, or form, all of them, now, we're probably talking a church that meets in Solomon's porch in Jerusalem. We're probably talking upwards to 50,000 people, at least. 50,000 people, because they've been born again at 5,000 at a time, 3,000 at a time, multitudes of both men and women, plus their children. So, there's literally about 50,000 people. But when the church hears about what happens with the seven sons of Sceva and the name of Jesus, all of a sudden, Paul doesn't lecture them about having idols in their house. He doesn't lecture them in being involved in occultic practices. He doesn't lecture them with being involved with horoscopes and all this kind of stuff. He doesn't even talk to them about it. He doesn't address the church. But all of a sudden, fear falls on all of them. And they get this inward leading that they should confess this as a sin, which they've been just going along doing whatever they wanted to do with these things. But all of a sudden, they come. The whole church comes together and begins to cleanse itself. And sanctify itself 
not by the voice of man, not by talking to other people, really by an inward witness. God begins to bear witness what they are doing is wrong. So God comes and he convicts them. And it's like somebody just turns a switch on. Fear, a deep reverence for the holiness of God falls on the church. And the church simultaneously begins to clean their lives up. Not that they had to. Well, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with that? Nobody had to say anything. Because the Holy Ghost was speaking on the inside of their life. And so it led them, no matter what the cost, to do what was right by God. So these men, the church can be moved by an inward witness. It can be led by an inward witness. A move of God can move us all in one direction at a time by an inward witness. And then let's go to 1 Samuel 3, 7 through 9. 1 Samuel 3, 7 through 9. Remember, we're talking about this inward witness, this intuition, this inside knowing that you know, that you know, that you know. 1 Samuel 3, 9, 3, 7 through 9. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. And the Lord Samuel, again the third time, he called Samuel. And so he rose and went to Eli and said, Here I am, for you did call me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, Go, lie down, and it shall be, if he calls you, that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. So Samuel went and lay down in this place. Here it says that when Eli heard, Samuel talking, he perceived. In other words, he understood, he had insight, he distinguished that what was taking place of him did not come from the outward, but it came from the inward. He understood that this was not the natural process of this young man. Where did he know that at? He knew that he knew that he knew Samuel has a call. Really, he had the inward witness. And that inward witness bore witness of what God was doing in Samuel's life. And so he had an inward understanding, an inward insight. He could see clearly what was taking place. It was un he just knew that he knew that he knew Samuel had a call on his life. Well, we are going to learn tonight about developing and how to depend on that and wait on that to take place. Understand that before that, Samuel had been raised by Eli. But Eli had never saw the call of God on him. But all of a sudden, something changes in Eli's perception of this young boy, Samuel. And he perceives this is God, and Samuel has a call. Now, let's go to uh, 2 Samuel 5, 11 through 12. 2 Samuel 5, 11 through 12. 
Then Hiram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and, and cedar trees and carpenters and masons, and they built David a house. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for the sake of his people, Israel. Now, David then knew. David has been anointed three times. He has had the whole nation of Israel come out and declare him king. He has had Samuel declare him king. He has had the priests declare him king. David is still not sure that he is supposed to be king. But when these things started happening from these kings and started sending carpenters and, and so forth to David, then it says David then acknowledged God has set him up as king. Where did David get that witness at? Where did David get it? Well, well, the guys were sending him carpenters. No, wasn't that at all. It was something much deeper. Then David perceived that God had called him to be king. So this inner witness can be far stronger and more reliable than any other outside evidence whether negative or positive. Amen? The leading of the Holy Ghost trumps the evidence that would lead us any other way. That's why we need to be led of the Spirit so that we can walk in the fullness of the righteous rewards of the Spirit. All right? Now, let's go over to hallelujah. Uh, oh, let's say this first. When we're talking about this inward witness, some people say, well, you know, the voice of, the God, of God is a still small voice. Sometimes it can be, but it can also sound like thunder. Uh, it can sound like many things, but what we want to do in order to hear this inward witness now remember, this is on the inside of man. This is where the Holy Ghost is joined and seated in a place of leading and guidance of the recreated spirit. It comes from your spirit. It doesn't come from your mind. It doesn't come from your senses. It doesn't come from information. It doesn't come from... It comes from the Holy Ghost. Now, the best way to hear anything is to make sure that nothing else is filling your ear canals. You know, people say, well, you know, I'm just sitting here praying and during commercials. <laughs> really, what do you think you're going to get? The price of peanut butter. Look, but we are notorious for wanting to be multitaskers. You know, you got to be doing this. You got to be talking. You got to be writing. You got to be, you know, communicating. You got to be, you got to be. You know, no. If you want to hear something, you need to shut down the voices that have dominant places in your life. In other words, if you want to hear this inward witness, and if I wanted to hear it, and if I was facing something I needed, to get through successfully in a godly manner, 
and to prosper by doing it, I would shut off everything except what I wanted to hear. Phil should tell me, honey, can you turn that down? I want to talk. I say, I can multitask. She said, I don't doubt you can multitask. It's just you can't comprehend. And that's the truth. So I have to shut everything down to hear her voice. For safety reasons. You, you just got to do it. Now, so let's shut down the voices. If you want to hear the voice and the leading of God, you're going to have to shut things down. You're going to have to shut the voice of TV off, radio, music, worship music. Duh, duh, duh. Oh, well, that just said, no, no. It's sound. Stop. You need to quiet yourself. And so, when you want to hear the voice of God, especially the inward witness, you need to set yourself Heart. Whether it's a time of fasting or whether it's just a time of, you know, your body has a voice. We respond to it all the time. I respond to it about eight times a day. Pizza, popcorn, whatever. You know, it's hunger. It's, hey, I need this, I need that. And so those voices you have to shut down. If you're going to hear this inward witness, because you just get around people and all this garble comes. And that's fine. But not when you want to hear from God. And so we need to shut these things down if we really want to be heard. Or if we really want to hear from God. Isaiah 64, 5. Thou meetest him that rejoices and worketh righteousness. Those that remember thee in thy ways. Behold, thou art wroth, for we have sinned. And those is continuance, and we shall be saved. Notice what he says in verse 5. That thou meetest him that rejoiceth. You know what? A discouraged, disappointed spirit never meets God. You need to be happy. You need to rejoice because that's what faith does. And then it says, and he that worketh righteousness, those that remember thee in their way. In other words, when we start remembering how God speaks to us in this inward voice, and we start silencing other voices so that we can narrow it down and hear God specifically and intimately, then God will meet us. But he will not try to speak over all the other garble that we have coming into our life. And he's not going to take second place. Yeah, all right. Psalms 4.4. 4. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed. And be still. Commune with your own heart. That word own heart means with your spirit. It means about the breath of God. The breath of a spirit. And so it says commune with your own spirit. And 
up on your own bed and be still. Well, how can you be still and still commune with your spirit? It means to shut everything down. Quiet yourself and listen to that inward voice. Psalms 46.10 says this. Be still. That means just be still and know that I am God. Then could I have a 3734? Wait on the Lord and keep his way, and he shall exalt thee to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, thou shalt see it. Wait on the Lord. Wait. Don't rush. Don't run ahead. Wait on God and do what? And keep his way. What's his way? Be still. What's his way? Be led of the Spirit. What's his way? Just quiet things. And listen to what the Spirit of the Lord would say. Now, let's go to Acts 16, 16. Now, there is this inward witness. Somebody say, inward now, this is in your spirit. It's not coming out of your head. You're just going to know that you know that you know. Well, well, how will I know and when will I know? You'll know. God is big enough that you will know. You will just know. And your steps will be established. But wait, wait, wait. Still everything and just listen to that inward voice listen to it it might not speak the first day the second day the third day the fourth day it doesn't matter but if you wait upon the Lord he will meet you just wait on him and keep his way do it his way and then let God establish your goings. All right, Acts 16, 16. And it came to pass, as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with the spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show, us, or show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when her masters saw that, and when her masters saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and to the rulers. Now, how did Paul know that that was not God helping them reach that city? The Bible says, and Paul was grieved in his spirit. Now, we know that we can grieve the Holy Ghost. Right? Ephesians 4, 28 on down through 31 says that we make, need to make sure we don't grieve the Holy Ghost. So, if the Holy Ghost can be grieved, it can be heavy, or it can be influenced by things that are going around it so can our spirit amen and so when Paul was grieved he 
was grieved on the inside, and he took that grieving because of his life with God. He started discovering how he was being led of God. Once he was grieved, oh, man, there's something wrong here. And it happened like three days later. Not immediately, but God was probably speaking to Paul, and Paul was churning it over and over, trying to find out the due process, proving all things. Let's see what happens. And sure enough, when he got grieved, he turned to that spirit and told that spirit to come out of that girl. And so we have got to make sure that you and I can be led, grieved, that we can become heavy in spirit, or that we can recognize that there's something just not right. That is the leading of God. Amen? Have you ever just got been around people and just something say, you know, man, there, there's something wrong here. Now, you don't need to criticize. You don't need to judge. You don't need to broadcast it. What you need to do is realize that God is leading you. Now, just let the process of proving go. He's already spoken to you because you've got this check in your spirit. There's something on the inside of you that's saying something's not right. Not all that can be known is known. All that can be seen is not being seen. It doesn't mean that everybody's a devil around you. It means that God's leading you a different way. It doesn't mean everybody's bad and you're good. It means that God's leading you. He doesn't want you involved in that. So just take it. You may not understand it. It doesn't matter. You remember you're subject to God, not to everybody else. That's it. All right. Then let's go to Acts 17, 16. Now when Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Stirred. That was an inward stirring. It wasn't that he was being shaken and foaming and frothing at the mouth and fell on the ground. That word stirring means that there was a fire ignited on the inside of him and it was on the edge of being angry. And he was. He was angry at the devil what he had done to this city. Jesus was led the same way when he made the uh, whip and cleansed the temple. Jesus cleansed it. Not that he hated the people. He hated what sin, greed, and the nature of man without God had done to the temple. It had changed the whole identity. It was not a house of prayer. And so Jesus was led by that. Paul was led by deep burning. It was that inward witness. He just knew that he knew that he knew something had to be done about what the devil was doing in that city. So Paul started revival. All right, one more, and uh, let's go to uh, Acts 18.5. And when Silas and Timothy were come from Macedonia, Paul was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. Now, this is pressed in the spirit, but it still has to do with the inward witness. Something just becomes unsettled on the inside of you. When that happens, 
pay attention. Don't condemn. Don't judge. Don't say, boy, that, that, those people are devils. No. Don't, none of that may be true. It may be, but it may not be. But just realize you're being led. Now let the fullness of the leading process take place. The most important thing is this, that you become quiet so you learn that voice. So you, you learn that voice. Amen? And when you learn that voice, then you'll be more quickly to respond to it. The other thing is, don't move without some type of leading of the Holy Ghost that is verified in, in the Scripture that we're talking about. And so we'll continue it, but what we have to do is start exercising ourselves in it. Amen? It says, my sheep will know my voice, and a stranger they will not follow. Well, that is true. But the Bible says we also have to prove everything. So sometimes when we first begin to discover the voice of God, we start challenging it. Not that it's wrong. It's that we're trying to prove, is this the true voice of God? So the more that we prove it, the more that we exercise ourselves in it, the more efficient that we will become being led of God. Folks, there is no sense in hurrying to destruction. But there is a whole lot of reason to slow down to avoid it. Right? Remember, the Bible says that his eyes, there's nothing hid to his eyes with whom we're in covenant relationship with. Hebrews 4.13. Everything's open to his eyes, but everything's not open to our eyes. Amen? So let's just let God do it. Uh, Ron Perrine, many of you might not know Ron, but uh, Ron uh, got saved here, and uh, he just wasn't very visible. And, uh, but he had this unique sense about him. It was a gift. He could be led of God. One time, his friend got thrown out of a boat, and he drowned in Lake Erie. In Lake Erie. You know how big Lake Erie is? Lake Erie is stinking big. So they combed the whole area. They got divers out three or four days. They're dredging the place. Come up with nothing. Ron said, you know what? I'll tell you where he is. I know. They said, how do you know? He said, I'm just telling you. The Lord showed me where he's at. Took him to an island. He said, he's right in there. But they went down and pulled him out. You think he wasn't led of God? Absolutely. But he had, this, he had this gift that he knew that when things just weren't right, he'd just wait. And he'd say, you know, God's going to show it to me, Pastor. He'd say, okay. And sure enough, he did. He came to me and he said, uh, Pastor, he said, first time I met him, he said, uh, you know what, I'm, I'm, I believe, God, I'm going to save you uh, $30,000 a year. I said, well, that'd be great if you could beat all them ice women in that place. And, and 
And you know what he did? He started going to work. Then he connected with a guy. Then he connected with another guy. Pretty soon, he got us off of three-phase to single-phase. Then he got us off to paying just for the kilowatts that we use instead of paying every day for what we use on Sunday. And you know that in one year, he saved us over $32,000 on heat, electric, and phone bills. They called me on my phone, and I'm paying like $4,000 a month. I went down to like $400 a month. Yeah. And even though he's in heaven, he's still saving us money. Over $30,000 a year. He had this canny thing. There's a way to do this, Pastor. I believe God's going to speak that to me. And, buddy, he would find it. And God would just use him. It was just a, he just, he just had the ability not to be rushed. Not to be rushed. And, and if you met him, you'd think, like, where's this guy? Like, what's he do for a living? Well, he raced race cars. Not only outlaw, but also the ones that uh, Jeff, what are they? Modified to late Molly. And they would borrow his cars when they broke down. He had two or three East Chicago dealerships. Had bait companies. He, did, he had all this kind of stuff. And, in fact, how many of you know uh, uh, Kevin Van Dam? Anybody know Kevin Van Dam? He's the top money. money. Do you know? Yeah, he, he is the top money winner of all time. Of Bass Pros. He's literally multi-millionaires. He wins like a million, two million dollars a year for fishing. So his brother is up in Lake Erie and he's in a tournament. So his brother says, I can't catch fish. So he calls Ron says, Ron, I can't get on fish. He said, come and help me. And Ron said, okay. So Ron's up there, God, you know, help me and, and uh, all that. And uh, John Van Dam which now is the record holder of the state of Ohio's largest smallmouth, which is nine pounds and two or three ounces, was fishing. And he said, Ron, they're catching all their fish in 20 feet of water. Ron said, I don't care. He said, just start driving. They take off in the boat. And Ron says, you know what? Pull right over here. He pulls over there. The guy casts. Boom! Catches the Ohio State record smallmouth and wins the tournament. Not bad. I have that picture where Jonathan is pulling it out and Ron is down there helping him lift that nine-pound, two-ounce Ohio State record smallmouth out of Lake Erie. He had this thing that he knew that he knew that he knew don't go there it ain't going to do you no good we're going over here just knew I don't know why he got married but you would have thought God would have let him know <laughs> Judy's a great lady hallelujah so stand to your feet and let's pray now look take time and start expecting God to do his part amen Let's not just run headwind to destruction. 
Let's wait. Wait on the Lord. Continue and do things his way. He will meet us. Be still. Let's know that he is God. You just get all cluttered up with voices. It's hard to decipher which is right. Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. God, for simplicity, that God, you're going to speak to us on the inside. God, it, we just, we're just going to know. We know that we know that God, our knower, will know. And God, we will be fully persuaded. And God, we will let ourselves hear. We will be still. We will be quiet. And God, we're going to position ourselves. For you to do what you desire to do. You told us what you want to do. I want to lead you by my spirit. Let me have time. Give me place. Let me have my opportunity. So God, we as your people say, God, we're not in a hurry. We just want to do what Moses said to do. If you don't go with us, don't send us up. So, God, speak to us that we will walk the steps of safety, victory. And, God, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.